Good morning. It's good to see you today. It is the first Sunday of the new year. And as I said last week, hopefully and prayerfully, we will all have a great 2019. We certainly want to encourage everyone to make the best of this year. It can be a great year. And so we want to do everything within our power to make it a very prosperous and successful year. I want to encourage you to do your best to be here every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. If you'll do that, I promise you, it'll bless your life. It will help you. And as God said to Joshua in the long ago, you'll find prosperity and have good success. And that's what we want. In our lesson today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15. And before we look at that text, I do want to say thank you to those of you who are visiting. Uh, we're very grateful for your presence. Uh, we did have a young girl that passed out this morning, one of our visitors, and our prayers and concerns are with her and her family. Uh, we do want you to know that uh, they did call an ambulance, and hopefully and prayerfully everything's going to be okay. I appreciate those that responded so quickly this morning, and I know that that can be very unsettling, and uh, so we want to just keep her in our prayers at this time. Thank you again for being here. Let's look at Luke 15. In our study today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that many of us are familiar with. It is the story of the prodigal son. I want us to look at it from a different angle in our study today. There are so many different directions that you could go in a study of the prodigal son. I don't know how many times I've looked at this passage. I don't know how many times I've preached Luke 15. But it seems like every time I look at it, I see something new. That's the beauty of Scripture. And so when I look at Luke 15 and I think about this young fellow that went to his, went to his father, went to his dad, and really asked incredulously for his inheritance. Surprisingly, the father granted his wish. And Jesus, in his narration of this particular parable, tells us that this young fellow went out and literally spent everything that had been entrusted into his care and thus found himself facing some tough, tough times. And so it's in light of that that I want to think for a minute or two today about the theme of our study, Isn't It Time to Come Home? I want to begin today by simply saying, I understand how tough life can be. I know sometimes as God's people, we have the best of intentions. Our goal, our desire is to live in such a way so that we're faithful to God, that we bring glory to His, to His name. And yet, because of temptation trials, the difficulties of life, sometimes we lose our way, don't we? There are times when we, like the prodigal son, find ourselves in a foreign spiritual land. And we're lost. And we think about home. And there are times when in our heart of hearts we think, you know what, it's time to go home. There's something about home 
There's something about going home. In our lesson today, I want us to think for a minute or two about this idea of coming home. Coming home to God. Coming back to fellowship. Being back where we ought to be, where we need to be, where we want to be. I want to begin our study by first and foremost talking about some reasons for coming home. Why should we want to come home? Let's just say that you're here today and you've lost your way spiritually. And you've been battling this problem for quite some time. And you understand the magnitude of where you are in life. And you've thought about coming home, but you've never really thought about some of the compelling reasons to come back. Let me just share with you a couple of reasons why I believe it's time to come home. Number one, realize that you have left the blessings of your Father. Pick up with me, if you would, again in Luke 15. In verse 11, Jesus said a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions, his substance, with riotous or prodigal living. Why should we want to come home? Well, first and foremost, I think we have to realize that we have left the blessings of our Father. Now, there are a couple of blessings that sometimes maybe we don't necessarily think about the first of which is the companionship that we enjoy at home. You think about how, as Christians, we are people of like precious faith. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Do you remember it was said of the early church that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in Acts 2.42? I think about in... 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, where Paul says that we have been called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. There's something about the companionship that we enjoy. Now you think about home. It may be that when you think about home, you think about your mate, maybe your siblings, maybe it's your grandparents and the rich associations that you have in what we call our nest. Let me tell you, there is no place like home. I promise you, there are a lot of places that you can go in this life, and you can find yourself on distant shores, but there is no place, absolutely no place like home. The companionship of home. And I would add to that the comfort of home. The comforts of home. I mean, think about all the places that you can visit in this world. And there are some great places, aren't there? 
I mean, I think about some of the most beautiful, scenic places. The handiwork of God. The psalmist talks about the handiwork of God. I mean, we can step outside this building and we can visualize the beauty of God's handiwork. We think about all the comforts and the luxuries of life. And you can stay in a five-star hotel and you can pamper yourself in any number of places. But when it's all said and done, there's no place like the comforts of home, right? No place. I mean, how many times have you been someplace and you think, if I could just get back home to my own bed? Always feels good, doesn't it? The comforts of home. This fella asked for his inheritance. His father granted that. He takes a journey out into a far country. He has left, he has left the blessings of his father. But there's a second thing. Not only did he leave the blessings of his father, but he lost the blessings of his father. Did you know that he depleted his riches or resources? Listen again to what Jesus said in his narration of this story. The younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. I don't know how much money this young fellow left home with, but I imagine he had his pockets full. They left home, and he's thinking about the bright lights and the beautiful city and all the things that he's going to do and thinking about the good times that he's going to enjoy and what happened. Lost every single bit of it. Depleted his riches, depleted his resources. Now you think about some viable reasons for coming home spiritually. And we talk about the realization that we have left the blessings of our Father, but then to come face to face with the fact that we have lost the blessings of our Father. Did you know that if you're in Christ Jesus, you are a rich person? That's what the Bible says. In Ephesians 1.3, Paul said that every spiritual blessing resides in the heavenly places in Christ. In Ephesians 2, Paul said that God has raised us up that we might enjoy the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness through Christ Jesus. Now sometimes we don't live as if we are rich in Christ, but we're rich in Christ. And to think about those who would deplete their spiritual resources. Do you remember in the book of 2 John, John wrote to a man by the name of Gaius. His prayer for Gaius was that he might prosper and be in health. He said, even as your soul prospers. Sometimes, materially speaking, we've got everything we need. Spiritually speaking, however, we're living the life of someone who is in poverty, aren't we? This fellow's left home. And he has squandered everything. He has wasted all the hard-earned money, the material possessions. And you think about all the things you accumulate in life. And one day, we'll leave all those things behind, won't we? Paul said... We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. 
So we're going to leave everything to somebody. And what will they do with what we possess today? What will they do with that tomorrow? This fellow wasn't a good steward. So he depleted his riches or his resources. And then we read of his destitution because he was without his riches and his resources. Listen to what the text says. Verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Tough times. What's the toughest time you've ever faced in your life? What's the most difficult circumstance that you have ever found yourself in? There's some tough things that can happen to us in life. I mean, there are adversities and sicknesses and diseases. There are losses that we experience financially, materially. And then there are those losses that happen because of death. Life's tough. And sometimes we make life a lot tougher than it ought to be. You know, sometimes the problems that we face in life are of our own doing. They are self-inflicted, aren't they? This fellow was facing some tough times because the situation he found himself in was of his own doing, self-inflicted. His father didn't tell him to go out into a far country and waste everything, but that's what he did. So he's destitute. So much so that, listen to what Jesus said. Verse 15, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Now you talk about destitution. And I would add to that not just destitution, but desperation. This fellow has nothing. He has spent all. He has wasted all. He's in this foreign land, foreign country. And he's out living among the hogs. For a Jew, that would have been unthinkable. Sometimes we find ourselves in places we never dreamed. We face circumstances that we never would have imagined. I really don't believe that when this fellow left home, he envisioned all the things that would happen. I think he left home expecting to hit the big time, to enjoy life. But that that's not how it turned out. What you have to understand is this. When you leave home spiritually, you're destitute. Sadly, sometimes we don't realize just how destitute we are. This fella understood his state of destitution because it was physical. He was cut off from his resources and from his riches. Now from a spiritual vantage point, imagine being cut off 
from the pardoning power of the blood of Christ. You know, John said if we walk in the light, because he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But if we choose to leave the Lord, what happens then? There's no cleansing power operating in our life. What about his presence? This young fellow left the blessings of his father. He lost the blessings of his father. He is outside the realm of his father's presence. Is that not where we are? Did God move or did we move? We left him, didn't we? You know, the Bible says, speaking of God, I will never leave you nor forsake. God's not going anywhere. If anyone chooses to leave, it's of their own volition. And so you think about out in that distant land without pardon, without the presence of God, without the peace of God. Do you think this fellow was going to bed at night in peace? You think he could go to bed at night and say, you know what, all is well? Hardly. Second thing I want you to see in our study as we look at Luke 15. And that is the road coming home. You know, there is a road that leads us away from home, but there is a road that will take us back home, isn't there? It's always a road home. So what about that? I think that first and foremost, there has to be a sense of awareness. Look at verse 17. In verse 17, Jesus said of this young man, but when he came to himself. Don't you think first and foremost, there has to be an awareness of our position in life? Of where we are. Didn't Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves? Do you think this fellow was able to take stock of where, where he was in life? Don't you think that he understood, he understood exactly where he was? The Bible says he came to himself. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul talks about. <clears throat> the importance of teaching those who have left the Lord or who are outside the realm of spiritual safety. And he said the purpose is that they might come to themselves. <clears throat> That's self-awareness of, of being aware of where we are in life. So, we have to be aware of our position. And then I think, secondly, aware of our poverty. Look at what it said. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I mean, think about that for a minute. This guy left home with a pocket full of money. And now all of his riches, all of his resources are gone. He doesn't have two nickels to rub together, as we say. 
doesn't have anything. You think he understood the magnitude of his poverty? Yes, he did. Do you think sometimes it's important for us to recognize our sense of spiritual poverty? I mean, this fella, he started thinking about home. And you know, in his mind, things didn't look so bad. As a matter of fact, when you look at the text, he's willing to go back home and become a servant in his father's household. In other words, being a servant would be far better than feeding with the swine. So, there must be awareness, but then secondly, there must be action. There has to be a sense of resolve, doesn't there? There has to be the resolve to say, you know what? It's time. It's time to go home. It's time to come home. Listen again to what Jesus said, when he came to himself, that light popped on, didn't it? And here's what he thought, you know what, it's time for me to take some action. It's time for me to go back home. Now sometimes we talk about eating crow. And I would imagine that had he asked, his father could have told him. You're headed for trouble. You're going to make a mess of things. Things aren't going to turn out as you think they will. You're going to find yourself in more trouble than you ever dreamed of. So, there has to be resolve. And then, there has to be repentance, doesn't there? Resolve precedes repentance. First, we've got to understand where we are. And then we've got to take the appropriate action to get to where we want to be. So listen to what he says. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 18, he said, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Don't you think he was willing to go home and say, you know what, I made a mess of my life. It's called repentance, isn't it? In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Paul said, godly sorrow, godly sorrow works repentance. And then he said, which leads to salvation. Think about that. Godly sorrow works repentance, which ultimately leads to salvation, to restoration. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying here. It has to be resolve, but that resolve has to be followed by repentance. And then there's a third thing I want you to see in our study. We talk about reasons why. We ought to want to come home. And then the road that ultimately leads home. But thirdly, and I think this is very important, what about the reception? 
What kind of reception can we expect if we choose to come home? I mean, don't you think that that's something we ought to consider? If we're out here in the world and we've been living in the world and among the world, and we have separated ourselves from the blessings of home for a long, long time, that fear factor, what if I come home? What if I go home? What, do I, what, what should I expect? Well, I want to begin by saying we can expect comfort. Now you, you think about a homecoming and the reunion that accompanies that. Being back in the presence of people that you know and you love. So what can you expect if you choose to come home? I can tell you what, I can tell you what this young fellow found. First he found companion, or rather, first he found compassion, didn't he? Look at what he said. In verse 20, he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. What can you expect if you decide to come home today? Compassion. I mean, don't, don't we all need compassion? The beauty of Jesus is reflected in His compassionate nature. If you read the Gospel narratives, one of the things that you'll see is Jesus demonstrated time and again compassion for people who were in many, many instances faced with very difficult circumstances. We talk about people who are disenfranchised and some who, because of one thing or another, have faced some very tough, tough times in life. It seems like this black cloud hovers them. But you know, Jesus recognized He recognized that there are people in the world who are hurting and suffering and some people, they're hurting and suffering because they've made poor choices in life. But I think what we can expect and what this fella found, compassion. And then not just compassion, there was a compassionate embrace, but there was a cherished embrace. Listen to what it said again. When his father saw him, he had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Do you not think that that father was so grateful to see the son that had left home? And I think about when that son left, the condition that he left home in and the condition he came home in. You think his clothes were tattered? You think they smelled? You think they were dirty? Do you think he was dirty? And we talk about the stain of sin. And add to that the shame of sin. 
this fellow's going home. And he's thinking in his heart of hearts, you know what, I'm willing to just be a servant in my father's household. Do you think he imagined that his father would react with compassion? That there would be this cherished embrace? That his father would kiss his neck? That he would hug him? Can you imagine him saying, welcome home, son? You're home? Isn't that what God wants to do with us? When we leave home, doesn't He want to welcome us back home? Sure He does. So, first there was a comforting homecoming, and then secondly, there was a cheerful homecoming. Listen now to what Jesus said. Verse 21, The Son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And you talk about humility and heartfelt penitence. This fella understood exactly where he was in life. He had hit, as we say, rock bottom. And sometimes, you know what? You got to hit the bottom before you can rise up. Well, he hit the bottom. Not only did he hit the bottom, he knocked the bottom out of the bottom. He knocked the bottom out of it. And so, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put, on, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. Now, there was a reunion, yes. But then there was a restoration of riches, wasn't there? The robe, the ring, the sandals. The rich food. So if you come home, what can you expect? Restoration, can't you? Restoration of fellowship. Back in fellowship with God. Back in fellowship with His people. If you come home, what can you expect? Can't you expect forgiveness? Didn't God say as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us? Didn't God say about the covenant under which we now live, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities? Listen, I will remember no more. Sure, we've been out living in the world. And sure, things didn't turn out like we thought they would. And yes, we hit rock bottom, but you know what? It's time to go home. It's time to come back home. When we come back home, there is the restoration of fellowship. And there is forgiveness. And that forgiveness covers all sin, any sin. And you think about that for a minute. And then, what about the rejoicing? The text says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. You know, in this same context, Jesus talks about the angels who rejoice in the presence of God over one sinner who repents. 
Could I close with a question? Where are you today? Where are you spiritually? Are you home? Are you where you need to be and where you want to be? Or are you in that distant land and you've been struggling for a long, long time and you've been trying it your, you've been trying it your way for a long time. Could I ask you today, isn't it time to try it God's way? Isn't it time to come home? To come back? Look, if you come back, if you come back, You'll enjoy fellowship with God. You'll have forgiveness. You will have the support of family. That's worth more than money can buy. You know, I've been some places in life, faced circumstances, and, and I thought, you know, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Spiritually, is that where you are? Spiritually, don't you want to just come back home? What would you need to do? Resolve. You're not going to live like you've been living. You're going to repent of what has taken place in the past, and you're coming home. And you come home and you will be met by a welcome embrace. There'll be a lot of rejoicing. If you're here today and your life is not what it ought to be and you're a Christian, we want to encourage you to come home. We need you. We want you. More importantly, God wants you. God wants you where you need to be. If you're here today, and you're not a Christian, what would you need to do? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Confess, his sin, confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that He's the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 2, 38. God will put you in the church. And let me tell you what, if you're in Christ and you're in the church and you're living faithfully, you're home, aren't you? And more importantly, you're going home one day to be with God. Whatever your need may be this hour, could we encourage you to come? Come home as we stand and sing.